0: Hi! Welcome to the pub. Come on in, grab a seat. You know, a a few days ago I was reading an article about some recent scientific advancements and the authors were generically holding it out as a scientific game-changer, a real tribute to mankind's inventiveness. You know, this got me thinking, just what is a game-changing invention, at least as far as humans go? Just what have been the greatest inventions of all time? So I stewed about this for a few days, thinking about all the great things that humans have invented since the beginning of time. I mean, the first one was pretty easy. Uh, the wheel. Uh, nobody seems to dispute that the creation of the wheel around 4500 BC was a big fucking deal. So it's about 6500 years old now. So not only a great invention, but a really old invention. But has there been anything as important more recently? Well, funny you should ask, You know, it was just a mere 1,000 years later that the nail was invented. A pretty important little thing apparently, uh, so rare and valuable in the day that, that they were sometimes used as currency. I guess in the late 1800s in America, nails were so valuable that people would burn down their house upon moving just to save the nails from the ashes. You know, it, it took another 3,000 years before the next game-changing invention came along, uh, this time in China and it was the compass. I mean, the earliest Chinese magnetic compasses were most likely used to order and harmonize buildings and land uh, using their principles of Feng Shui. I probably should have used a Chinese Feng Shui compass to decide where to put my tomato plants. <laughs> Maybe next year. After this, the list gets pretty much uh, more modern with things like uh, the printing press, the light bulb, the steam engine, etc., etc. But I have a candidate for one of mankind's greatest inventions that has not made anyone's list. Now, it's something that we all use or touch nearly every day. It's multi-purposeful use and adaptability are unquestioned. It's not expensive, and it's nearly totally recyclable. It's in widespread use in the richest and poorest countries. It can hold our most precious possessions for years on end and helps us move our ship from one location to another. I am talking about... The cardboard box. That's right. The cardboard box. Where would we be without this simple yet so useful device? So a little history here to put this in perspective. Now technically speaking, cardboard is just a generic term for heavy duty paper based products that that have a greater thickness and superior durability than just simple paper. Uh, It's foldable yet rigid, durable yet easily cut, Uh, it can be a thin sheet called paperboard or a thick multi-layered thing that we use to make boxes. Now, the first paperboy was, was made back in England, way in, back in the 1817. Um, the cardboard boxes themselves were developed in France around 1840. Uh, they used these things for transporting uh, these moths and, and eggs by silk manufacturers. Of course, you know, many of us more recently appreciate the boxes that were used by the Kellogg Company to package cornflakes. The cereal box may be one of the most important inventions ever, huh? I mean, who wants to pour cornflakes from a reinforced wooden crate? The first corrugated cardboard box was made in the U.S. back in 1895, and by the early 1900s, wooden crates and boxes were being replaced by these corrugated paper shipping cartons, what we call the modern cardboard box. You know, it's widely known by anyone that has been around children that the cardboard box is the perfect toy for a kid. The imagination of a child with a cardboard box is really something special to behold. If you're bored and depressed by the current state of affairs in this world, Go out and find a big cardboard box, give it to a kid aged four to seven, and then stand back and watch the magic happen. I mean, so prevalent is the cardboard box's reputation as a plaything for kids that in 2005, a cardboard box was added to the National Toy Hall of Fame. It's one of the very few non-brand specific toys to be honored with such an inclusion. The other non-brand kids toys in the hall, the ball and the stick. I mean, how many hundreds or thousands of dollars have I spent in the last 40 years on toys for my kids and grandkids, when the Hall of Fame toys, the ball, the stick, and the box are the clear winners? Now, In addition to the stimulating the imagination of millions of kids around the world, uh, trust and rely on our beloved boxes to store and move all of our possessions throughout our lifetimes, it has served as a shelter for countless homeless Americans. And in the future, it may be the final resting place for our mortal remains or ashes. So, when you think about the great things that humans have invented through the ages, give the wheel and compass its due, but think fondly on the container that has changed the world, in my humble opinion, the cardboard box. Now, there's another container that I'm interested in right now, a glass bottle with a cork at the bar, holding a special single malt whiskey. Uh, Sit tight, I'll be right back. All right, back from the bar with a really nice, neat pour of Aberfeldy single malt. Now, the Aberfeldy distillery is over in the Eastern Highlands. Um, the little village of Aberfeldy is about 50 miles or so northwest of uh, Dundee, which is on this kind of the west, east, southeast coast of Scotland, north of Edinburgh. Um, it's north of the River Tay, uh, which then flows down th- through Dundee and out into the ocean. Um, but you know, th- this place uh, was originally uh, owned by uh, the John Dewar family, uh, and Dewar's was a, quite a famous uh, whiskey blender. Everyone kind of re- recognizes that name. Um, they've been blending whiskey since uh, you know the 18 late in the 1800s. Um, the uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of of, uh, of um, uh, hard water in that area of Scotland, and the water they use there um, runs through th- these pine and spruce birch forests. Um, the uh, it, it really is kind of a distinctive area for that kind of water. The um, they don't do their own maltings there anymore. That kind of got uh, taken away when the when the big uh, distillery companies came in and, and took over. But um, Aberfeldy is a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a nice common whiskey. Uh, the twelve year old is the most common. Um, The one I've got now is, is, uh, the color is kind of a warm, goldish, bronze color. Um, The the nose, the the, the aroma um, is real lively, kind of an orangey, smoky uh, scent to it. The um, light on the tongue has got kind of a um, um, tangerine-y fruitiness uh, in in its flavor. Um, And it has a a quick, uh, spicy, gentle finish. Um, so the uh, uh, the Aberfeldy's uh, got several different bottlings, but the 12 year old is the easiest one to find. Uh, and if you're if you like uh, um, uh, if you like Aberfeldy, uh, you probably would really like the Dewar's uh, blended whiskey because Aberfeldy makes up the, the majority, I think, of of what they blend uh, in a Dewar's. Um, you know, one of the the, the great blends. So um, um, here's to Aberfeldy and Dewar's uh, for uh, keeping the Scotch going. Um, Hey, uh, stick around. I've got uh, an uppity woman story that um, sounds kind of fun. Be right back. So some people would have called this English blue blood, uh, My Lady Anne. But to villains, however, she was Sheriff Anne Clifford. In 1605, her her, her pop, the Earl of Cumberland, died, and she inherited the office that he had held. Um, Like in the Old West, uh, Sheriff Anne had to fight for her office with male heirs, a messy will, and other obstacles. It took almost four decades before she could actually put on the badge. By this time, Anne was already good at dealing with varmints, uh, the biggest being her husband, the Earl of Dorset. When she'd become rich through an earlier inheritance, her ever-loving tried to get his hands on that lovely lolly using tactics like Depriving her for their daughter and banishing Anne from her own home, but none of these subtle methods worked on Anne. After Anne finally moseyed on up to the northwest of England for her official swearing-in at the beginning of 1650, she hired a deputy and started work. Four times a year, she entertained the area justices of the peace, riding to greet them on a handsome white stallion. Uh, Anne Clifford faithfully served as sheriff until a year after her death in 1676, signing writs reporting on election results, making public proclamations from the king and queen, and keeping those black hats and greedy husbands out of Westmoreland. This law and order lady was no token female either. Uh, From the 13th through the middle of the 19th century, uh, England had a number of of shires or districts where women handled this uh, hereditary office. Um, Well, raise your glasses to Sheriff Anne. Uh, Thanks, Anne, for uh, taking the law into your own hands. Uh, also hear a shout-out to our newest pub visitors from Munster, Ireland. Uh, That's in the southwest corner of the Emerald Isle. We'll have to sample some good Irish whiskey soon. Uh, Hey, thanks for stopping by, everyone. Uh, Hope you come back soon. Sláinte!